0: Welcome to This Wayfaring Life, where we celebrate coming fully alive to the adventure of following Jesus. I'm your host, Dawn Jackson. Each week, we lean into stories and conversations of faith and hope, seasoned with just enough grit to give you traction. I'm glad you're here. Well, it's always good to be back with you here on This Wayfaring Life. Thank you for joining me. And I hope all is going well as you're pressing in on this incredible journey of following Jesus. And you know, last week we started a a two part series here. Not not a series, but a two parter. And so we're talking about praying risky prayers, daring to pray risky prayers. And I hope you leaned in and started praying some risky prayers last week. And we're gonna get back into that topic here in just a minute, but going to jump right into this week's shout out. If you listen regularly, you know that shout out, basically what that is, is I like to just highlight resources, uh, fun places to go, cool items you might want to buy, like things that have normally have nothing to do with the, with the episode or with the podcast. Um, I don't even tell people when I'm highlighting their stuff. It's just stuff that I think, Hey, I want to shout out to this particular resource, because I think it's going to help some folks. And so today on today's shout out, I want to shout out to you really a couple of really cool devotionals. Now who doesn't like devotionals, right? Devotionals are amazing. And these make amazing Christmas gifts. In fact, they're bound really nicely. They got really nice hardcover on them as well. And they're written actually by a friend of mine who is amazing. Um, and that is Christine Kane. She's got uh, some devotionals that she's been coming out with. She's got two out. I think there's going to be a third one as well, if I remember right. But these are devotionals that were sort of birthed out of the season when we were hiking together, uh, here in Southern California during 2020. And we we're doing a lot of mountains and, uh, you know, a lot of things about hiking and mountains that just preaches. And so she was, uh, as we would hike sometimes, she would be stopping to write notes into her phone to remember various things because she's like, ah, oh, this is going to make a great devotional book. And so she's got, there's two of these devotionals out and they are both 100 devotionals. So as hundred in each one of these, this would make an incredible gift to give to somebody or to gift yourself. The first one came out last year. It's called Resilient Hope. 100 Devotions for Building Endurance in an Unpredictable World. I mean, who doesn't need endurance in these days, right? So it's, an, it's a lot of fun read, and sometimes you get to hear some of our stories of hiking are, are in there as well. And then the one, I'm currently reading this one right now as part of my devotional time in the morning. It's called You're Not Yet. It's a hundred devotions for building strength and faith for your journey. And, um, I'm loving this as I'm working through it. I'm just reading one a day as part of my devotions in the morning when I'm reading the Bible. And they're so encouraging. I mean, if you've heard Chris, you know that she, um, She's funny. She's direct to the point. She's lived a lot of life and has just so much wisdom to share. And so anyway, I highly recommend these. If you're doing some Christmas shopping, go online, pick these up, send them to your family and friends, get one for yourself, get both for yourself. Um, I'll put the link for these in the show notes as always. Well, we're back to daring to pray risky prayers. And so last week, We talked about two prayers. The first one was search me. And that's where we ask the Holy spirit to actually shut, to, to shine his light into our life and reveal any area in our life that is not where it needs to be because we don't want anything between ourselves and the Lord. And we realize that when we pray that prayer on a regular basis, it helps us to continue to stay sensitive to the Holy spirit and hear him on a regular basis. That's an incredible prayer to pray, even though it can be a little scary because we might be wondering, Oh man, is God going to deal with this area of my life? And you know what? He probably is because he loves you. And he wants to set us free. And so search me was the first prayer from last week. We moved on to send me. And that was, you know, maybe it, maybe it is send you to some other location, but most likely it's about going to the same locations, place of wherever you work or going to school or, um, you know, maybe the gym or whatever it is, but it's actually though with a new awareness and willingness to be used by God to bring his love and his light into those places because God wants to draw people to him and he uses people to do that. And so he's looking for men and women that he can send. And so we talked about sending last week as well. Well, this week we're going to jump into the next two prayers. And this first one, I mean, I told you this series, this uh not series, I keep calling this a series. This this two episode part one, part two, they're both a bit gritty. All right. But gritty isn't bad. I think gritty, you know, when you get grit, when you're out on ice and you're hiking on ice and you throw some sand down, all right, then it makes it so it's grippy, right? It gives you traction so you can move forward. Sometimes we need a little grit in our lives to get us moving forward. And so this next prayer is a rough one, but it's a prayer prayed by Jesus himself. It comes to us out of Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. It's right before he's going to be crucified. This is the message version of this verse. It says this, Father, remove this cup from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? Now, in most translations, it's translated, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. That's the prayer. The prayer is, Lord, your will be done. Now, let's be honest. Most of us have prayed this prayer before. Oh Lord, Lord, not my will, but your will, right? And I think sometimes when we're up against something and we really want something bad and we pray that prayer, oh God, no, whatever your will is. I think sometimes we're approaching it a little bit thinking like, maybe this can be an Abraham Isaac thing. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament of Abraham and Isaac when the Lord was telling him to to actually like sacrifice his son, which was the child of the promise. And Abraham takes him out onto the mountain and, um, prepares him to sacrifice and has a knife in his hand and ready to go. And then the Lord stops him right at the last minute. And he says, no, I was just testing you to see if I could actually trust you. Well, I think sometimes when we pray the prayer, well, Lord, actually, uh, yeah, Lord, your will, your will. We're almost sometimes maybe saying that thinking, well, maybe God's just testing me to see if I'd be willing. And, uh, and we're waiting for God to say, ah, no, that's all right. Yeah. We're going to go with what your idea is. Um, but reality is, is oftentimes what God's will is begins to unfold and we can often find ourselves fighting against it or bucking it. Right. But, you know, the, Jesus calls us to follow him and to trust him. In fact, if you ever talked with somebody who had a hidden agenda and you could sense it, you could smell it. Like they got a hidden agenda. They're, they're after something. They're trying to manipulate. Well, let me just say this. Jesus has an agenda. He's got an agenda for your life. He's got an agenda for my life. It is not a hidden agenda. He is not manipulative. He is not sneaky. He's pretty He's pretty straightforward. And the reality is, is his will doing things according to his plan, his will, it's actually the key to life. Here's what Jesus says about it in Luke chapter nine, verse 23 and 24. And this is the message version of these scriptures. Then he, which is Jesus told them what they, the disciples could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. (laughs) I told you it was gritty. Some of you are like, man, Don, holidays are coming. Let's lighten up. We'll lighten up in a couple weeks. But uh, for now, this is actually really good for us to take a look at. How much of our life have we really surrendered to the Lord's will for our lives? Are we holding out in any way? Jesus taught us in that passage. It's often talked about as picking up our cross and following him. If you remember, a cross was how the Romans executed criminals, and it's how they executed Jesus. And Jesus told us as followers that if we were to be his followers, we must pick up our cross and follow him daily. And you might wonder, well, what does that even mean? Well, it really means that we lay down our own agenda for our life and we pick up God's agenda and it's daily because he usually only tells us that day what we need to do. So I picked up my cross today and followed him. And guess what? When I get up tomorrow, I'm all, I, he wants me to pick that cross back up again and follow him on a daily basis. You see, God doesn't give us the big picture with all the steps, right? A lot of times we wish he would just give us the full plan and want to read up on it. I want to know how to prepare myself emotionally, you know, and physically and financially or whatever, but no, that's not how he works. He just gives us the next step and it doesn't always seem to make sense. We're called to be surrendered to him. If you can look through so many stories in the Bible, and the the one that's coming to mind for me right now is the story of Joseph. He's given a dream. He's going to rule someday, even over his family members. But then his life seems to take him in the exact opposite direction. Joseph's still called to follow. Now, of course, this is pre, you know, Jesus being in the flesh day. So he's called to follow God. And he's, you know, he's that's the God of his fathers. It's his God and to trust him. But here he's got this dream, and instead he's being picked up by his brothers, thrown into a well, and then sold into slavery. And then he's living as a slave and is accused of a crime he did not commit, and he's thrown into prison. And then he helps some people in prison in telling them what their dreams mean. And the one who gets out then forgets about him for a couple of years. I mean, everything seems to be going away from the fulfillment of the promise that God had given him. And yet it was the very pathway that God had for him. And I believe the pathway shaped him to be the kind of man he needed to be that to be the kind of ruler that he needed to be. And God used it all, but he had to stay surrendered to the process, right? And then he ends up, and in a day, everything changed for him, and he went from prisoner to second in command in all of Egypt. We need to trust God. God sees the big picture. If you've ever looked at art, and I've probably brought this up before on a, on a podcast in the past, but there's an art form known, known as Impressionism, and with Impressionism, if you're looking from a distance, it's clear, it all makes sense, but if you get close, it's a bunch of just like marks on a page, like paint brush marks. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. And sometimes our life might just be a splat of paint, but if we will step back and see, we are part of something so much bigger, so much more grand than just our own individual life. And our life matters. It definitely matters, but we've been invited to be a part of this whole, the whole family of God. And so we are playing into a bigger story. That's not just our individual stories. And God knows the big story. And so he wants us surrendered to his hands so that he can use us to do what he wants to do in us and through us. And, uh, we'll, someday we'll get the chance to step back and see the whole picture and we will be in awe. Plus my friends, the Lord knows better your heart than you do. And you might think you know, I might think I know what I really want, but the reality is, is that God's will is the place where we find true fulfillment in life. So... It says in, in Isaiah, Isaiah writes in chapter 64, verse eight, we are the clay, you are the potter. If you've ever done pottery, I remember doing this in like eighth grade or ninth grade, right? And the clay doesn't tell the potter what to make, right? The potter decides what to make with the clay. The clay is is to be pliable and to be, if we talk about our own lives, we're to be pliable and to be willing to become whatever our master potter wants us to be. If you remember from a previous episode, I told the story of a missionary who had written out, you know, this little contract to God on what he was going to do for God and how God had had him eventually tear it all up and write a fresh one out that basically was, hey, you sign it like a contract and let me go, me being God, let me write in the details and just trust me to fill in your life. Complete surrender. Um I know that's that it story impacted my life in such a profound way back in my college days. And I look and I look even in the last year of my life how God has led my steps to places I never ever th- even imagined. Um and it's absolutely incredible but that comes from surrendering even in times of sacrifice or pain. So here's what results when we pray that prayer, um a fulfilling we it results in a fulfilling life uh, filled with meaning and value, meaning and value. Because when you're right where God wants you to be, we might not always understand everything, but to know that he, we are right in his very presence and, uh, his purposes are being fulfilled in and through us. There's no better place to be. So, uh, that's prayer number three, right? And then, so your will be done prayer three. And then prayer number four, Oh man, this prayer, this prayer gets me because in Acts chapter four, we find the early church, right? Jesus has ascended into heaven. The early church has been birthed. The apostles are ministering. Some have been arrested. There's now persecution that's happening in the early church. And where do we find the early church in the midst of persecution and all that they're facing? They are praying. And here's one of the verses that they're praying out of Acts four, uh, verse 29 in the good news translation it says this, and now Lord, take notice of the threats they have made because they were their threats were being made on their life and allow us your servants to speak your message with all boldness. Did you hear that? With all boldness. Like you would have thought they would have been asking God, God rescue us. Get our friends out of jail. And you know what they probably were? praying also that they would be rescued. We know in Acts that there were times when the disciples, I think it was Peter that had been arrested. And so they were praying on his behalf and God miraculously opened the gate. So it's not like you can't ever pray for rescue. Of course you can, but they weren't praying for it here. They weren't praying to be vindicated or to overcome those who were persecuting them. No, instead they prayed a very dangerous prayer, a prayer that said, Lord, make us bold, make us bold. And it's dangerous because God might not take them out of the situation. If we pray like this, God, give us boldness in the midst of our challenges. The truth is he may not take us out of the circumstance. He might allow for us to be thrown into the furnace, if you will, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you look in the story in the book of Daniel, those three men wouldn't bow before the god that was put before them when they had been uh, sent into exile, they refused to bow before any god other than Jehovah, and so they were thrown into a fiery furnace and they were like, look, our God will save us and even if he doesn't, we're not bowing. And so God didn't rescue them from the furnace. They got thrown into the fire. But if you know that story, you know that as they were thrown into this furnace, not only were they not burned, they were walking around in there. The King sees them walking around. And it says a fourth man appeared in there that looked like one of the, like a son of the, of the gods. It's like the, a pre-incarnate visit of Jesus himself who joined them in the fire. You see, when we pray for boldness, we might still need to face our fears. We might still need to be in the midst of these situations and circumstances, Oh, but friends, Jesus will join us right in the midst of that, of this, right? So we need to pray for boldness, not Lord, get me out, right? Out of this family, out of this work environment, out of this school, out of this awkward situation. Let me, let me even correct myself there. You can pray, Lord, Hey, if there's a way for me to work somewhere else, I think that's a great prayer and that's awesome. But if we're always praying for escape, if we're always praying, Lord, Protect me, protect me, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you can pray about being kept safe. In Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, when they're traveling, it was either Nehemiah or Ezra. It was one of the two. I can't remember right now off the top of my head. It may have been Ezra. I don't remember. It's between those two. Some of the Jewish people were going back to uh, Judah after being in exile, and the king was told, "No, our God will protect us." And so then Nehemiah or Ezra is praying, "God protect," um, because we've already told him you're going to. So please protect our people as we travel back to our land. And God did. So there's nothing wrong with praying for protection. It's just that sometimes our whole mindset can be consumed with being safe. I always want to be safe as opposed to saying, Lord, Lord, empower me, give me boldness to make the best use of these circumstances and to accomplish what you have already determined needs to be accomplished. Right? They were asking for divine enablement, not escape. Sometimes God doesn't want to remove us from our circumstances. He wants to enable us in a divine way to do his supernatural works in the midst of that situation. This prayer, my friends, may lead to facing our fears, which is not a bad thing. And it results in courage and boldness. It's powerful. It's powerful. When is the last time I, or when is the last time you, when did we last pray, God, make me bold? Not like, oh Lord, please don't let them ask me any questions about my faith at a holidays or please this. or No, Lord, give me boldness and give me opportunity. And may I boldly proclaim how good you are and your love to those that you bring into my path. God, help me along that line. You know, I'm reminded about boldness as I was thinking about this. I was thinking about a story that I read years ago um, that was in this book called the divine mentor by Wayne Cadero. Now I've since given that book away, so I can't read it specifically from that book. Cause I don't, I no longer own a copy, but I did find, um, the story retold and I'm going to put this link into so that they get credit. I found this story, um, on a website as he was retelling what Wayne had told. And here's Wayne had traveled to China and he was going to train 22 Christian leaders from the Hunan uh, province. And it took these leaders to come in for this biblical training in China. All right. It took them 13 hours of travel by train just to take part in the training. So they couldn't fly. They had to get on a train. So 13 hours in the train when they arrived, uh, for the training, Cordero entered in the conversation with the leaders. And he learned that if caught, while he would be deported, if, if Cordero was caught, leading this uh, training, he'd be deported within 24 hours. And, but they, they would spend the next three years in prison if they were caught attending this. And yet they were there. In fact, they were there sitting on a hard wooden floors in a room that was not air conditioned. And Wayne Codero talks about how when you teach there, you start at like eight or nine in the morning and you teach till five o'clock in the evening. It just goes nonstop. And so Wayne asked them, he said, Hey, you know, uh, how many of you have actually spent time in prison because of your faith? And of the 22, 18 of them raised their hand. And so then he asked, well, how many people do you all oversee? Because this is like China's underground church. And he's like underneath you in the sense of like, they've got this system with groups, like how many people did they actually represent represent, and they represented a couple million people in China's southern mountainous region. A couple million Christians were all under their pastoral oversight through small groups, which was just insane and amazing. So as he was teaching them, Codero asked them to turn in their Bibles to the first chapter of second Peter, and he only had 15 Bibles for them to use. And there's 22 of them around. So not everybody had a Bible of their own, but this one lady, she had, uh, she had this Bible that Codero had brought. And when she heard where they were turning to, she gave her Bible to someone else so that they could read it. And so afterwards, Codero asked her, hey, you handed the Bible away instead of being able to follow along because he was, and he was able to tell though, that she seemed to know every single verse in that chapter. And he found out in talking with her that she had memorized that entire book. She'd memorized second Peter. And so he was amazed about that. And so he, he talked with her about it and she said, yeah, you know, the way that it works, she had spent time. He's like, where did you learn to memorize? And she said, well, in prison, got a lot of time in prison. He's like, were you in prison because you were a Christian? She said, yes well, how did you memorize? Wouldn't they take the Bible away from you? She said, of course they would take the Bible away. So what we do is little bits of the Bible come in, little verses here and there on little bits of paper and they get passed around. And what you do is you've got to memorize it as quickly as possible because if a guard finds you with it, they'll take it away, but they can take away scraps of paper. But once you memorize it, they can never, ever take that away from me. So this woman, and not just her, so many others had committed to memory so much of the Bible so that they could always have it with them. So as he was wrapping up this training with them, he asked if there was anything he could pray for, um, you know, with it, with them about. And so a leader spoke up and asked that Codero pray that Chinese believers would become like believers in the West with the ability to freely worship God. And when Codero says he looked at him, he shook his head and he said, no, I will not pray that. He said, their eyes got big and like, what do you mean you won't pray that? He said, in my country, you know, people won't come 13 hours. If it's more than one hour away, they're not coming. They're not going to sit on the floor. If you don't have pews and nice soft chairs, they're not coming back. If it's not air conditioned and comfortable, they're not staying. We've got, he said, we got Bibles where you've got a few Bibles in every single house, yet nobody reads them but you all memorize the word. You've put it into to uh, hidden it in your heart and you know it, the things that you're doing with your faith. No, I'm not going to pray that you become like us. I'm going to pray that we become like you. You see, my friends, those people, those people, I'm sure pray risky prayers and they're definitely living a risky Christian life. That's what we're called to live my friends. Ah, uh, to take risks on behalf of the kingdom of God to pray risky prayers. What happens when we pray the prayer of search me, send me your will, God, not mine and give me boldness. What happens when we're willing to go where the spirit leads, when we're willing to be committed to a cause and, and not be afraid, even if it costs us something or requires sacrifice, what, what would happen When the power of God gives us power to face into our fears, what happens is we will find believers who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who hear from God, believers whose lives are filled with purpose, who are living lives that are fulfilling, courageous, and bold believers. This results, my friend, in a dynamic Christianity, a generation that'll change the world, a generation of wayfarers those who are leaning in and trusting Jesus and following him and staying close to his presence. Ah, oh, my friends, I hope I hope you'll take these prayers. And as this is December now of 2023, ah, oh, let's finish this year strong and maybe take these prayers into 2024 with us. Maybe make this a habit as part of our prayer time to pray these prayers on a regular basis. God search me. I don't want anything between me and you. God, send me. I'm willing to bring your love wherever you lead me. Lord, your will, not my will. I'm not going to fight you on that, Lord. I'll follow you wherever you lead. I'll carry my cross. God, I'm in a situation. Give me boldness to represent you courageously. Gosh, that's the prayers of a wayfarer. And on that, just want to encourage you. Keep pressing in, friends. Keep pressing in. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me today on This Wayfaring Life. If you'd like more information on coaching with me, head over to thiswayfaringlife.net, where I offer growth coaching for life, leadership, and spiritual formation. See you next time.